you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, please turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Specifically, this verses 17 through 19 today as we continue to look at the life of Abraham. As the writer of Hebrews continues with Abraham's story, we were began this a couple of weeks ago, and text reads, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, his son. He received the promises, and yet he was offering his one and only son, the one to whom it had been said, your offspring will be called through Isaac. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. I want to go back and read from Genesis 22, if you'll permit me. We'll look to the source of this particular story, back to when it was first told. So turn there with me. It's a fairly short story, but it certainly packs a mean punch. I think it's one of our stories that you really have to be one of us to tolerate. But nonetheless, here it is, an extremely important part of Abraham's life. A moment that, uh, well, it seems to alter Abraham's life and sadly rendered he, he and his son Isaac not very close. Beginning in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 22, the text reads, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am. Abraham answered. Powerful. He didn't shirk away, right? Like Jonah did, if you're familiar with his story. Right from the start, Abraham said, what, what's up, God? I'm here. Take your son, he said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took him with two of his young men, men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and, and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. It's a long journey. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife and the two of them walked on together. 
Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father. And he replied, Here I am, my son. What's up? Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He, he bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its thorns, its horns, by the thicket's thorns, by the ram's horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn this is the Lord's declaration. Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you. And make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. May God add God's blessing to the reading of God's word. Powerful story from Genesis 22. Yesterday, I... um, I have not gotten to do this very often because Hattie is our fourth child and there's just always more than one child around the house, except for very rare occasions. But yesterday was the rare occasion that uh, Hattie and I spent the entire day together, um, just she and I. And a couple of observations. Um, she is a wonderful little girl and I'm, I'm just in love with her. Um, we have bought her... Uh, and grandparents mostly, mostly grandparents who might be watching on the uh, online. So I'm, I'm talking to you, grandparents, have bought her a lot of toys, so many toys. And some of those toys cost a lot of money, but you know what? Hattie doesn't play with the most expensive toys very much of the day at all. It's the simplest things that can garner uh, my daughter's attention, which I thought was cool. But we had so much fun playing together, she did have one thing on the agenda, which was a birthday party that she was so excited uh, to go to her friend Josie's birthday party. And the birthday party began at five o'clock and it was in the morning when she started asking how much longer until the birthday party. And so she, you know, when's the birthday party? And I said, well, Hattie, it's later today. She said, no, no, how many minutes until the birthday party? Well, Hattie, it's actually, um, yeah, it's actually 280 minutes until the birthday party. She said, no, 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 how, how long? Like she couldn't even comprehend that many minutes because it's so, it's so long. But she needed to know when the party was. She needed to know when she was going to go. 
struck me as similar to Isaac, who's likely older than five-year-old Hattie here in this story. Maybe not. Asking his dad where the lamb is. Inquisitive question from the young man. And Abraham, in, in some of the most faithful and one of the most faith-filled answers in all of Scripture. What did he say? The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. You know, in this, we see Abraham doing, doing some things that are important, I believe, for... Well, they've been important for me to... to they're simple things. Very difficult in the circumstances, but I think simple to reflect upon and important for us to reflect upon this morning. So I ask you the first question that we draw from this story. Do I, do we trust God with that which is most important to us? Ask yourself that. Because we see that in this story. Abraham trusted God with Isaac in an incredible way. And, and, and the text from Hebrews 11 is clear. I mean, this is who the promise rested upon. Like, this was the time for Abraham to say, time out. God, can I please remind you what you have said thus far, where, where, from where we've come. I left my home. I'm out here on an island, God. This incredible promise that you gave us a child in our old age and... Now you're going to take the child from us. What is going on here? It's incredible to me that Abraham doesn't seem to ask what would be such a reasonable question. Do do you see the faithfulness, the trust that God has? That Abraham has in God. I remember when our first was born, Howell. I remember y'all in the, in the hospital having this overwhelming feeling that this child was not our child. Yes, it was, wasn't going home with anybody else. But this was God's child. Maybe some of you who are parents have had this, but it, it was, it was this, this incredibly rich, overwhelming feeling that this was a, on loan from God. This is not to be trifled with. This opportunity to love and raise this who will be hopefully someone who follows and is formed by Jesus all the days of their life. This child belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the psalmist says, right? Now, remember, the writer of Hebrews has already introduced Abraham in this chapter. And we, we should be confident that Abraham, because of what has been said, because we know the arc of his story, he has a deep and abiding love for God. He left his home. He left what was comfortable. Much like Karen. He has a deep and abiding love for God. And this love is put to the test here. Obviously, he is asked to 
to do the unthinkable. And when he is asked to do the unthinkable, what does Abraham do? Well, the story indicates he leaves the very next morning. A long journey, a journey that had to be prepared for. There's no, there's no hesitation. There's no delay in Abraham's preparation. He does the work of preparing the wood for himself. Abraham's actions reveal a deep trust in and love for God. And all the while believing that God will provide within what the unthinkable he's being asked to do. I think about how many times I had to say, I promise you, Hattie, Josie's party will get here. It'll come. I can't imagine the waiting on this journey for Abraham. Can you put yourself in those shoes? The second question I would ask us today, I ask myself is, well, it's, it's the song we just sung together. Are we willing to be patient? Are we willing to wait on God? Don't miss Abraham trusting God to deliver within this story. Abraham was patient on a, a rather slow God in this, methodical, all the way to the last second. And the third question I would ask us to consider, it's connected with the second and really the first. But what is our trust level about God providing? I want to know that. I want you to consider that as you leave here today and and go about the holiday tomorrow and then into your work week on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. what, What is your trust level in God providing for you, for your family, for your community, for for that which you have on your plate in the coming days and weeks and months ahead. These stories are not just in here to help give substance to, to who we are, to our faith. These stories connect with our lives. We are not that different from Abraham. Not at all, actually. God is calling you to trust in the promises that God has given us. Karen explained that so well. We are looking from a different vantage point than Abraham. Abraham and the, and the, the lineage behind him was looking toward the cross and a savior. And we are looking at a cross in which Jesus died upon already. The promise laid out for us. Do we trust that God has provided and will provide? Abraham trusted God to provide. Abraham believed the promise could even be fulfilled again if this, what it was asked of him, was carried out all the way. Abraham trusted God to fulfill it even in what seemed an unthinkable way. Abraham still trusted God's word. I was reminded this week in my studies of uh, 
14th century church mother, Julian of Norwich. Julian uh, had a vision of something um, very important. In her, it was, it, in her vision, it was in her hand. It was, it was no larger than a hazelnut. And in her prayer and, and, and vision and dialogue with God, which is what mystics do, it's fascinating, she, she asked herself and God, she said, what can this be? And the answer she received in her prayer was that this, this, this thing, this, this round, tiny thing, no bigger than a hazelnut, is so little and, and could ultimately fall into nothing, right? You've, you've searched for something small. It's probably in the couch cushions, but who knows? Could suddenly fall into nothing, but her vision that day was that this, this small, insignificant thing that she couldn't even identify, it will last. It will last because God loves it. And thus, everything that we have and that we know, everything in the world, has being through the love of God. This was Julian's testimony. She said, in this little thing, I saw three properties. The first is that God made it. The second is that God loves it. And the third is that God preserves it. Verse 19 from Hebrews 11, he considered the fact that God is able even to raise someone from the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive his son back. God is always working in that waiting. Do you know that, church? Because God loves you and everything that is. I have a friend named Grant. He is a preacher man as well. And he and his wife have a son who is now 12, Isaiah. But 12 years ago, while Grant's wife was pregnant with Isaiah, it became clear that Isaiah um, was not going to be born uh, perfectly healthy. Isaiah would be born with significant challenges. Grant uh, confessed it was a hurricane. And having been preaching since he was uh, fresh out of college, he had to decide at this point if he actually believed what he had been proclaiming for the past 10 years. But looking back on that time... Grant says, I am so thankful for the hurricane. This was a drastic test for Grant and his wife's faith. This was a drastic test in our story for Abraham's faith. Make no mistake. This was not a little pop-up rain cloud that is gone in a little while. No, this is a storm that we just sung of. It was a test that sunk deep into Grant and his wife's bones. When they settled into, which I'm sure felt like was a long winter. For Abraham, it appeared to spell the end of everything. Yet he still had faith. The end of Isaac, the end of God's promise. But to hear my friend Grant talk about their story now. Their testimony is that their precious child, who is now 12. Well, they can see that God knew exactly what he was doing. God knew exactly what Grant and his family needed. 
their son loves them. They love their son. Things aren't easy all the time, but they have the clearest of pictures that their son Isaiah is God's beloved. The promise that they never could have imagined was brought into their family through the circumstances that initially seemed like was taking the promise away. Faith does not know how or when God fulfills God's promises. Listen, I don't... We take a lot of sheets of paper to fill up exactly what is troubling the hearts and minds of God's people in this room today. That would be a worthy exercise. The list would be long. And my story would be right there with yours. These are not easy days for a variety of reasons. I know that. Not standing up here taking lightly how difficult life can be. I hope that part of what brings you into this room, while I wish we would all gather every week because we can't escape the reality that we need it, that's just not the way things are. But I hope that what brings you into this room to worship with like-minded believers is the reality that you're going to find some common ground with one another, that you do identify with this story, that even though life may feel like a hurricane, you believe somewhere deep inside you, even though we may not be able to describe it that well all the time, that God will ultimately provide and has provided. Because faith does not know how or when God will fulfill God's promises, but faith never lets go of the assurance of things hoped for. So I'm constantly with you and for you, trying to keep my ear to the ground, to stay alert in in my studies to the the ways that teachers and writers and, and, and thinkers are urging the church along to be gospel people. And this week, one of those thinkers, Mark Roberts from Fuller Seminary, he put it this way. We are to be deliverers and demonstrators of the gospel. Deliverers and demonstrators of the gospel. And what this story, I believe, is pointing toward from our perspective today is people who are following and being formed by Jesus. It's pointing toward the cross. I'm so grateful for the way Karen ended her testimony. At the very heart of the gospel is a cross. And it's a symbol, y'all, of suffering and sacrifice, of, of hurt and, and, and pain and humiliation and, and direction. So this, this demonstration of the gospel and its delivery is so important. It, it, is, it is that which we are called to. And it requires of us sacrifice. It, it often takes from me comfort. It requires no less of me than the best I have to give. I am not called as a follower of Jesus to be popular or successful. I'm called to be faithful. And so are you. It was Thomas A. Kempis who said, when Jesus is near, all is well. 
and nothing seems difficult. When he is absent, all is hard. As the band comes back up, I I would ask that you consider just how near Jesus seems to you today. I promise you he is. Because when Jesus is near, things seem far less difficult. When he is absent, things are hard. To be demonstrators of the gospel and deliverers, this, this happens through our, the things we say, yes, but also those things that we do. And it's precisely how the gospel is communicated to the world. It's how, to whatever degree we are being faithful as God's people, that is evident to the world. You are so useful to God, regardless of who you are, what you've done, because you are beloved. You just are.